0: It's the Offense Show. We're on the Team 980, always live on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And we are off to a ruckus, roaring start. Anthony Haney um, just forgot to turn the headphones down from Chris Russell volume, so I'm in a little bit of pain right now. Also, uh, Linnell said something when I walked in here that makes, that I, I'm now curious about. So real quick, uh, before everyone's like, great, Craig's going to get sidetracked to start the show, um, probably a little bit, but we will quickly get back to some of the top stories of the day. We're kind of all over the place today in a good way, um, not in a disorganized, chaotic way, although there's always a risk. Uh, but we got uh, my guy, Tim Kalashaw, uh, who you know probably from ESPN's Around the Horn, uh, but of course a longtime writer in Dallas for the Dallas Morning News, Uh, He is going to join us coming up in just a little bit, about 25 minutes from now at 4.30, to discuss Dan Quinn's head coaching candidacy. He's set to interview with the commanders virtually tomorrow. Um, Also, are the Cowboys going to fire Mike McCarthy and change the whole market for head coaches around this league? Uh, We'll talk to Tim about that. Tim, coming up at 4.30. Uh, Lanell is with us at 5. I know he just left, but he's coming back for overreaction Tuesday, on a Wednesday, because yesterday was kind of Monday, Um, so we'll get to Linnell coming up at 5, never read the comments, 5.30, so we got a lot of stuff uh, going, big NBA trade today, we'll get into it, Uh, and then uh, a nice treat at 6 o'clock, my guy Zach Selby, uh, who writes for the Commander's website, spoke to John Lynch and got a ton of great nuggets on Adam Peters, so uh, if you are listening now, and you're not going to be able to keep listening at 6 o'clock, make sure that you go back later, as soon as you can after the show, basically, uh, or tomorrow morning, and check out the Hoffman Show podcast of that chat with Selby coming up at 6 o'clock. But, Anthony, uh, we do have coming up on February 2nd our 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 980 event where we hit the stage together for a night of sports debate, laughs, and behind-the-scenes stories. Uh, Again, it's Friday, February 2nd. 8 p.m. at the Bethesda Theater, you know, talking about what the commander's do in free agency, who they'll select at number two, um, you know, Super Bowl predictions, that'll be right before uh, Super Bowl week. That's kind of on that bye week in between. Um, and you get your tickets for that at BethesdaTheater.com. And I would highly, um, I would ask personally that if you're listening right now and you like this show, can you please go buy tickets? Because Lanell goes, yo, Craig's a heel. He's going to be the one who gets all the tomatoes thrown at him, and I don't think I don't think we're arming people with tomatoes. But I I do occasionally say things that that uh, upset certain segments of the fan base. That's the nature of doing this job. We all have different opinions, and that's fine. Um, but my uh, analytical sensibilities occasionally hit people a certain way. And I'm nervous that that could be a large portion of the crowd who shows up for this event. So I'm not going to pretend like we have some army, but there's a lot of people that like this show and listen to it on a regular basis and say very kind things on Twitter. And I get I've gotten some of the nicest, kindest emails in the last couple of weeks from folks. Um, if you want to drop me a line, go to hoffmanshow.com and use the the contact link. Um, more than welcome to and and folks have been so incredibly kind and some really like thoughtful stuff that reminds you why you do this um, but I'd also like for you to go to Bethesdatheater.org and buy tickets to this event so that if someone throws a tomato at me you can pull a tomato and be like bow right back at you we need we need some of the Hoffman show fan base in attendance to uh, to back us up is basically what I'm saying we can't have bunch of people that hate everything that I have to say when I have to say stuff into microphones. That's really what I'm asking. I'm being incredibly selfish.
1: Not saying that, you know, tomatoes will be thrown or tomatoes will be brought to the, the venue. But, hypothetically speaking. Yeah. If someone had to throw a tomato, who do you think would throw the tomato?
0: You're talking about or, who or would throw them. it, or who, which, who, who 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 on stage is most likely to get it thrown at them? Yes, there is an obvious correct <laughs> answer to this. Ready? We're I, gonna do this like when we pick a when we picked you know, uh, what's the biggest ma- uh, like when we picked Commanders and 49ers. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Chris Mortal Russell.
1: Zero. Yep. Yeah. 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 I think he knows as well. That. Oh was, no, he does.
0: I mean, Chris was standing right here when yeah. Linnell said it. He's like, <laughs> he, he looks at and Linnell, to his credit, self awareness was like, I know I'm a heel because um, they were using the wrestling, you know, in, in wrestling term. Yeah. Um, like I'm a heel, I know that. And Chris was like, I'm like, he's like, you and me are heel, heels. Him, and then as we started to talk about it, I realized like, there definitely is. There, I mean, we all have different opinions, right? And so, if there's people that have the same opinion as me, there's also a group of people that don't on certain things. And of course, this is all—just to be very clear, this is all in good fun, right? Yeah. No one's actually throwing tomatoes. Although now I feel the need to ask CK to do a, uh, hey, can we set up some security uh, purely for a tomato <laughs> check? Um, but like, no, no produce allowed. Um, but I don't know. I if I start if I start going down a, what some people think is a is a incorrect road there is a chance and I think that there's a lot of folks that uh that will buy tickets to this event that that could definitely disagree with with my opinions on the football team
1: I think I will be well liked you think you'll be well liked yeah
0: what how could we set you up how do how do we set Anthony up on stage for success I think we just let Anthony dance
1: I think I should just smile yeah and wave
0: you got a great smile
1: yeah (laughs) and he's like hi i i think that's yeah that's all it would take to be honest
0: yeah um and then like you know during the introductions like we just have you dance yeah if you got to dance to one song on stage to make the crowd like to get the crowd going
1: couldn't even tell you right now i've been dancing a while
0: i know that's what i'm asking you have to choreographer a dance
1: there's a new dance that a lot of people in New Orleans are doing. I don't know the name of the song though. Mm. I need to figure. out. I know it's on TikTok. I don't really use TikTok, but my girlfriend sent me a. Uh, she sent me a TikTok of the people doing the dance. So mm. I what's need the to- dance look like? It's like this. It's a New Orleans bounce. It's like a little little shake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm gonna
0: figure it out though. Yeah. See if you can go back in your text with. Yeah. Uh with with your girl and uh send us send us uh, I got or send me the, the dance. Right. And then we'll make sure we can find the song. Yep. And then um
1: Yo, and then that'll DJ, be Anthony's part. Play that
0: song, yeah. Yeah, that'll I mean, be Anthony's part. And then I'm gonna come out and say something that everyone's gonna hate and apparently Lin- then again, look. Lynnell in prediction's not always correct. <laughs> so I think actually in hindsight, I'm probably safe. Uh again if you want your tickets. Two one zero six seven, The Fan of the Team 980 live. Uh, you can get them at the Bethesda Theater box office if you are in the area or at BethesdaTheater.com. Of course, me, uh, the Rooster, Chien, the Junkies, and then, of course, on the, the fan side, uh, Grant Danny, B. Mitch and Finley. Everyone will be there. Be a great time. It's all off air, on stage, uncensored. BethesdaTheater.com. All right, when we get back, we'll get into the show Starting with uh, the day's top story that I did not anticipate being the day's top story. Ron Rivera uh, spoke to John Keim today from ESPN, uh, and and that's his first public comment since being fired. Uh, some interesting things from the former coach before we set our sights on one of the main candidates who could be the future coach, and we talked to Tim Kalishaw about Dan Quinn at 4.30. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, and we're always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, Get into what Ron Rivera had to say to John Kime today in his first comments since getting fired as the head coach of the commanders in just a moment. But uh, don't forget uh, that our 106.7 The Fan vs. the Team 980 live event is sponsored by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com. For more information, uh, again, we just talked about that. Uh, got to thank our friends at Main Street Bank for helping us put on that amazing event coming up in early February. All right, so today, John Kime got the chance to speak to Ron Rivera. Um, Ron has been out of work now for a little bit over a week, um, and apparently he'd like to get back to it. Uh, he says that he is open to being a defensive coordinator again. He really enjoyed coaching late in the season. Uh, And I I think, you know, we can get into his future maybe later in the show. I know Linnell wants to talk about some of this stuff as well uh, at 5 o'clock in our overreaction, quote-unquote, Tuesday here on this Wednesday. But I think Rivera's comments are largely, in terms of when he's looking back, largely accurate and reflect completely why he no longer has the job. And what I mean by that is I think he does a pretty good job of diagnosing a number of problems with the way things went this season, which is ultimately why he got fired. But the fact that he's only able to look back and see them with the clarity that he does now is exactly why he got fired. It's not really that hard to see a lot of stuff in hindsight. It's about having foresight. It's about the ability to adapt and change quickly. Like anybody can watch anybody that that is coached in the NFL should be able to watch tape and go, oh, I see where we lost. I see why that play went poorly. But can you prevent it from happening in the first place? Can you understand the problems with your personnel, your team, your roster in real time and implement changes as opposed to what seems to happen far too often in this very silly league? Which is, you just keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. You know, when you, you talk about Sam Howell and the year that he had, which Ron does in this, you know, it's not just what he talks about in terms of the offseason, um, the off-season expectations that Rivera put on Howell. Something that he regrets. It's about realizing in the moment, in the middle of the season, that, yeah, you put all this expectation, and you're not doing a damn thing to make his job easier. That, oh, yeah, he's got a lot of talent, but we have to develop it. He's not like he's at his maximum potential right now we can just put a whole offense on his shoulders and drop him back 40 times a game. Realizing that quickly and actually having a solution to the problem is the job of coaching. Coaching at the end of the day and this goes for you know, post, post-mortem criticism of Rivera that we're doing right now based off him speaking. And also, frankly, more interestingly, in my opinion, um, looking ahead to the future, what do you want in a head coach? You want leadership. You want toughness. Like You want some things that I think are, are non-negotiable. But I want you to be an excellent problem solver. Because when you're up here and you're not in the weeds... You should have clarity on the big picture in a way that someone in the weeds doesn't. When you're in the weeds, when you can't see the forest through the trees because you're focused on every leaf, which is like position coach level, and to an extent, your coordinator, you are working so hard on making the plan that you have work, work, that you often don't consider alternative plans. And so a good head coach that acts as quality control that can come in and be like, hey, why are you doing this? Why is this the plan? Why is this how we're proceeding? Can often uncover problems and ensure that you don't get yourself in a bad way in the first place and that you don't spend a bunch of time working on a bad plan. And it seems like nobody asked Eric Bieniemy the question before the season, hey dude, do you think that putting the entire offense in a drop back pass heavy... Mode with a second-year quarterback with one start under his belt who, by the way, dropped to the fifth round because he has some struggles reading defenses in a drop-back passing game and also has a sack problem, and our offensive line's not that great, um, especially if they're going to be asked to drop-back pass protect all the time. Um, did, Did you ever think that that's a good idea? Or was he too scared to upset the enemy? Because he's like, hey, I gotta empower this guy. You still have to do your job. You still have to go, hey, I I hear you. I believe in the things you believe in, but we need to be realistic with about our personnel and our quarterback. And this this ain't gonna work, bro. Like I sorry, I I know you're new here, but like I've seen these offensive linemen uh in the last couple years. That they, they ain't gonna work. We gotta we gotta we gotta support them more. We gotta have a more holistic plan. And it just that level of oversight didn't seem to exist. And so when Rivera starts talking about Howell and the expectations, he says, quote, and this is probably the biggest quote that everyone's pulling from this story, quote, I took a big gamble. I put a lot on Sam, and I probably shouldn't have put as much pressure on him. And I think that was probably one of the mistakes I made this year. He didn't deserve to have that put on him. He's a good young quarterback, has some talent and some ability, and I think that's something I should have backed off on. I should have kept emphasizing that he was going to be the guy that got the first opportunity. Just phrasing it that way would have taken a lot of pressure off of him, just kind of that he hadn't been anointed. But here's the the other problem with that. Even going away from like the schematic element once you get into the season, saying that he hadn't been anointed, which, by the way, I also feel like is some revisionist history because didn't he really push back during the season? Or during the offseason last year when people were like, oh, so Sam's your starter. And he was like, no, he's not our starter. He's QB1. Like, he's QB1 for now, but we'll see. The rhetoric is not the problem. And in many ways, I think the other thing that comes out of this article is a complete validation of Ben Standig's reporting that Rivera is a man who a ob- not. I a—I don't want to say he's obsessed with, but that can't help himself in chasing narratives— versus actual realistic solutions. He doesn't see the things that are hard because he's focused on satisfying a narrative. And now that the season's over and it's like, yeah, the Sam Howell thing didn't work, his response is not, we didn't do the right things for him to support him as a young quarterback that could have succeeded in this league if that's what he believes. And you know, I still believe that there's an alternate version of the season that goes much better for Sam Howell Um, even if it doesn't remotely end with him being a clear solution for the future, just didn't have to go as badly as it did, especially towards the end. And nor with the sacks in the beginning. But instead of acknowledging like the substance of the problem, it's like I should have changed the narrative early. The problem wasn't that you said he was anointed. The problem was that he was. The problem was you told Jacoby Brissett, hey, dude, you can come in and compete. And you never really gave him a chance to compete. Now, did Sam do anything in the preseason that should that really open the door? No. Did Jacoby was Jacoby so spectacular that you had to to quote unquote have a real competition and give him starters reps the ones? Also, no. But you could have if if it's a real competition, then you have to put them on even playing field. Like you did anoint Sam Howe. And I don't disagree with the decision they made. But it's not about the narrative of anointing him. It's the reality that you never actually let Brissett split reps with Sam. Like if that's your concern, if you want to go back and do the hit, do the thing over and say, hey, Ron, what would you change? And your answer is I would have given Jacoby more reps in the preseason, that's at least more substantive than I would have said stuff differently. But none of it's as good as, yeah, we should have absolutely uh Done a different, had a completely different offensive approach that wouldn't have broken our young quarterback because we got him hit a billion times and gave him basically no realistic chance to succeed by an offensive line built to run the football and a a lack of cohesion in our play action game and and all the things that we don't need to go back and rehash right now because we've spent so much time doing that uh, pretty much all season long. Um so yeah, I I think that this this article is in many ways a validation of Ron coming to the realizations that many of us came to long ago. And I'm trying not to just come off completely with confirmation bias here, but I I think it actually this isn't about like those of us in the media that have been saying those these things being like some brilliant, you know, clairvoyant people. It's it's that the solutions are that freaking obvious. Like, the, the problems were that obvious. Ron Chase's headlines and narratives, not substance. And the other thing is he bit off way more than he could chew. Uh, another quote from the article, I would have loved a different model just because in hindsight, now you really see how much more time you spend on personnel. And as a coach, that's not necessarily what you want to do. What I really enjoyed more than anything else was the last five weeks was just being right in the middle of everything. Now your only focus is just that one thing. That's what you do. You want to teach. Like, yeah, Ron was better at being just a coach than a personnel guy, as seen by his personnel decisions. And he did have an impact in the final five weeks of the season on some level, making a defense that was horrendous, in part due to his personnel decisions, in part because they had tremendously poor coaching to start, Better, uh, better being a very relative term. They were 0-5 and, and not particularly great defensively in those games. But again, you couldn't change the personnel, and they had made the sweat and young trades, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, long story short, Rivera is who we thought he is. Um, I think it's interesting that he says he's willing to become a defensive coordinator. I do wonder if, like some of the young head coaches are like, you know what, having a guy like with that experience around might be actually helpful. I actually think he could be a decent defensive coordinator. Uh, I'd certainly want to get him on a whiteboard and stuff. But um, he, I, I think uh, Ron did not know what he was getting himself into when he got here, and I think it still might take years for him to really understand what he just went through the last four years and uh, all the reasons why it didn't work. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And when we get back, my old pal Tim Kalashaw. Yeah, that one from ESPN's Around the Horn and longtime columnist in the Dallas Morning News. He joins us. So the Cowboys going to fire Mike McCarthy. And uh, what does he think of Dan Quinn as a head coach candidate? There or here? Kalashaw, next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we are streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Uh, Once upon a time, long, long ago, in a land far away called Dallas, Texas, I worked on a little uh, radio program in Afternoon Drive called The Afternoon Show with Kalashaw and Mosley. And uh, the host of that program is a guy you see on TV, on ESPN's Around the Horn. Anthony, my voice is doing the thing again. I'm so choked up by Kalishaw coming on the show, I'm losing my voice. I see. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually is a bit of a, a bit of a tribute to Kalishaw. That's not something that happened on purpose, but Tim Tim was a throat clearer. Uh, Tim, I don't think would have done great on our fine board, Anthony. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, he's very very smart. And Tim, that's got to be the worst radio introduction you've ever had. And I'm so sorry for that. After you but do the special favor of coming on our radio show.
2: But it's an honest one, and it's an accurate one. And uh, I was with I did Kalashaw and Mosley, then I did Dennis and Kalashaw. I never yep. had the Callishaw show like the Hoffman show. You don't seem to have anybody with you. It seems to be your show.
0: It is, uh, except for when my voice uh, wants to die on me, which is just not a yeah. great thing. And then Anthony, not our either. our producer over here, has to has to bail me out. But it's okay. Yeah, we okay. made it, Tim.
2: That's okay. You made it. You great.
0: made it. We did, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the Dallas Morning News, uh, and yes. of course ESPN's around the horn, Tim Kalashau. Uh Tim, very much appreciate your time. Uh, I'm sure you okay. are very busy on uh on on fire your coach watch down there uh before we get to dan quinn uh and and what he could be as a candidate whether it is there or here um what is the latest on jerry jones's thoughts on mike mccarthy and and where the cowboys are right now
2: there's really been no movement uh said to be jerry jones is said to be meeting with mccarthy today they don't expect anyone to be available till tomorrow or friday so these are supposed to be uh typical year-end meetings but nobody really nobody really knows um you know I, I think within 24 hours after the game we all thought jerry had to make a move the longer it goes i i'm not sure if that's good for mccarthy or not i i think it probably is it will be very dissatisfying to Cowboys fans if nothing happens if if because they know they're not doing anything with the roster because players make millions of dollars and Dak has a $60 million cap hit and all that stuff. So it will not be a popular move if he keeps Mike for another year, but that would probably be the smart way to bet, like it or not.
0: Well, I was I was going to say is the smart way to bet is one thing, the smart thing to do is another. Um this the franchise that we have here in in the district has not won 11 games since they last won the Super Bowl in 1991. <laughs> the Cowboys have won 12 games 3 years in a row. Like what right. like I know that obviously raises the stakes and the point is to win in the playoffs and the Cowboys haven't done that. Um so, but is it actually the smart move with some time removed from the game seeing the way the team played all year, seeing the way they played the last three years to keep McCarthy in charge?
2: Normally, I would say, uh, not it was, a smart move would be to just keep the status quo and and hope that this Green Bay game was an aberration. Although we know this team has not stepped up in the playoffs before, but they've never played quite like that. Nobody had them being down 27 to nothing in the second quarter against the 9 and 8 team. Um, they, they hadn't played like that, but... I do think there's something very intriguing and it would be intriguing to Jerry Jones to think about bringing in Bill Belichick for even if it's two years, three years and seeing if you have a really good team that can win 12 games, what can he do when you get to the big games? Assuming he brings in the right offensive coordinator, I would guess Josh McDaniels is available again, it would seem. Uh, But regardless that having that on the sidelines, instead of, um, I don't know. There's just a sense that with McCarthy, you have a coach who's okay, who gets who gets to a certain level, but you never really feel like, oh, the Cowboys are going to, you know, outcoach the hell out of the opponent this week. They're going to outsmart Kyle Shanahan and Matt Lafleur and Sean McVay and all that. So, with that in mind, just with Belichick or, heaven forbid, Jim Harbaugh, who I don't think would come here for a minute, but if that was in play, if you can get one of the great coaches then I think you consider about it. You Consider it. You don't fire Mike McCarthy just with the idea of, of firing him and, okay, let's go out and find some coordinator and try him as a head coach.
0: Tim Kalashaw, of course, the Dallas Morning News, ESPN's around the horn with us here on the Hoffman Show. There was a lot of rumblings coming out of Dallas, Tim, that Jerry really likes Dan Quinn and didn't want to lose him, and maybe that could be something that, you know, is a reason why he moves on for McCarthy to then hire Quinn and keep him. How much did the defense's uh, lackluster performance, if you will, on Sunday change that equation?
2: You found that performance lacking.
0: I did not think it was
2: good, you, Tim. You saw some open receivers for the <laughs> Just Packers. A few. You saw Aaron Jones having another field day. He had four touchdowns against his team two years ago. He had three touchdowns and hundred yards this time. Um it's really been kind of crumbling for a while. The, the Buffalo—they were terrible in the loss to Buffalo. They were okay in the loss to, My, to Miami. The defense was pretty good against Detroit until the final. They let Detroit go seventy-five yards in a minute thirteen, which created the whole two-point extravaganza at the end. Right. And then, of course, they—they—they they, they beat your Commanders and got a couple turnovers. Off, Mr. Howell. Yeah, but, you, you, uh, and everybody else. <clears throat> yeah, that wasn't that wasn't groundbreaking news. No. They, they didn't play great down the stretch. Um, they're a big play defense that thrives on turnovers, led the league two years in a row, which is very hard to do. Finished in the middle of the pack this year, and is bad against the run. I, you know, I still think, I think Quinn has five interviews in three or four days. Tennessee, Carolina, the Chargers, Washington. He's got a lot of people out there that are still interested but I don't know if, if those you know he would certainly if he wanted one of those jobs and this will be the third year he's interviewed so I think if he gets an offer he takes it this time. I don't think another half million causes him to stay another year as coordinator here. So I think if Washington wants him they can have him. Um and he, you know, you can look at his Atlanta time and, and Say, okay, he did okay. He didn't do great. He got to a Super Bowl right in second year. Team slowly went down after that, and his, his defenses were never really very good there. It was kind of a Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Kyle Shanahan show there to get him to the Super Bowl. So you can make it out of what you want. I, I think he's a decent candidate. Um, I, I would think Washington new owner would want to make a, a bigger splash with the head coach, but obviously I don't know that
0: yeah uh it's certainly would seem that way the retread seems very unlikely but like your experience covering Quinn schematics leadership charisma like how would you describe the Dan Quinn experience through your seat in Dallas the last three years
2: uh players love him really good with the media um uh explains things in detail uh, you know again he I don't I don't think he wants to be bad against the run they drafted <laughs> what they thought was a nose tackle from Michigan um, uh, who looks more like a uh, like a shortstop or something I don't know he's, he's not nearly as big as they certainly described Modsey Smith was going to be and he didn't he barely played this year um, so they haven't had the personnel in the middle of the field maybe if they had better defensive tackles all of the Queens stuff would work. Obviously, Micah Parsons has thrived under him. Trayvon Diggs, before he got hurt, had thrived. I don't know how you say drawn Bland in five pick sixes. That's that's a, There's enough flukishness there. That's not something that's going to be repeated. But clearly, he has a system that, that is good at creating a lot of turnovers. And uh, if you can handle giving up a few of the big plays, it, it works for a lot of teams.
0: Tim Kalashaw with us for another minute or two here on the Hoffman Show. So uh, the, the last kind of Cowboys question then, Tim, the, the biggest one perhaps is what you do with Dak Prescott. What options do the Cowboys have? Keep him, cut him, restructure. Like what what is, what is on the table in Dallas after Dak? I mean, he should be a top three MVP finisher based off the regular season, but we all know this. the, the reason we're having this discussion is not about the regular season.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things that really – and like it's easier if you're dealing with Washington. You can look at the team and say it needs this, 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 and this. Um, the Cowboys don't need a new quarterback. They need this quarterback to be better than two and five in the playoffs and not throw pick sixes and, and, and not be able to find CeeDee Lamb. It's a very difficult problem because his cap number next year now becomes monstrous. I think it's 59 million. Yep. So you have to restructure it. So from that point, you know, how many years do you want to add to that? You know, somewhere down the road, you're eating some salary. He's not going to fulfill whatever you keep doing. And, and you keep doing that, and they did it with Romo, and you've seen it with other quarterbacks around the league. You know, Philadelphia takes a $30 million hit on Wentz or whatever it might be. Um, it, it, it's going to be an enormous number regardless and you've got to be careful about saying this guy's going to eventually get where we want him to be. He's good. There's no question about it. He's a top 10 quarterback most of the time. But in big games, he does not have a history of performing. And after eight years, do you really think many quarterbacks with the same team who have started that long, do they find their first NFC championship in year nine, in year 11, something like that? It's very, very rare.
0: It is, but hey, if I learned anything uh, working down there in Dallas, Tim, it's that you just listen to Jerry. The money's all fungible. You can it always all fungible. You can always move it around. I think that was mostly his favorite word was fungible.
2: Everything is fungible, and what isn't fun- fungible is ambiguous. There's a lot of ambiguity. That, I he mean, likes a lot of ambiguity.
0: <laughs> sure does. We don't need to dive into that statement too much. Just, no. Yes, that is, is correct. Uh, Tim Kalashai, everybody. Read his work uh, in the Dallas Morning News, of course, on their website. Uh, unless somehow you found a way to get one thrown at your door here in the D.C. area. Uh, and you oh. can watch him uh, on Around the Horn on ESPN. Uh, Tim, great to see you uh, here at FedEx Field a couple weeks ago. Appreciate your time on the show. And I'm sorry for introducing you, you with the worst radio intro you'll ever have in no, your no, career. No, that-
2: it's okay. It's okay. okay. It can't
0: all be flowers. No. It's all right. It's no. I'm gonna go get some water in the commercial break as well. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Greatly appreciated. Talk soon. All
2: right. Take care, buddy. See
0: that you. is Tim Callishaw. Everybody with us on the Hoffman show when we get back uh, let's let's actually talk a little bit more about the disaster down there in Dallas and what they do because uh, Tim just made an excellent point that they need to uh, th- in terms of what they need to do compared to what is going here like who actually has the better situation the team that lost 13 games or the team that won 12. we'll dive into it next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we're asking a very silly question. Who would you rather be? Uh, a team that just won 12 games or a team that just lost 13? Uh, it seems very silly, but we just had Tim Callishaw, Dallas Morning News, uh, on with us here on the show. and And he said... You know, in Washington, you guys have a situation where you don't have a quarterback, but, you know, you got this number two pick and and a bunch of cap space and the way to figure it out. In Dallas, we have a quarterback who is eight years in, is very good, has been very bad in the playoffs. And it's really rare that quarterbacks figure it out in year nine, year 10 and get to the NFC Championship game, and they figure out the playoff thing, and oh, by the way, said a quarterback has owned $59 million next season. Now, to answer my very silly question, I would much rather still be the Dallas Cowboys. Anthony, do you you disagree with that? Would you rather be the Commanders or the Cowboys? Let's say going
1: into next season, at the very least. Uh... If we're just talking about these two teams, I think I would rather be Dallas... But if we're just talking about being a 10-win team, I think depending on where you are. Like the Packers. If I'm the Packers, I would love to be the Packers just because they're young. Yeah, that wasn't the question. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. The
0: Packers? The Packers might have the best. Like, if we were to do... This would actually be interesting. This is a good idea, Anthony. We should write this down. Next five-year power rankings. Right? Or next three-year power rankings. Which teams would you like to be over the next three years in the NFL? You look at cap space, young talent, old talent that you think can hang out for three years. Like, I think it's that becomes pretty fascinating. Like, this year is one thing, next year is one thing. Cause, like, if you're Kansas City, right? Can Travis Kelsey hang on for one more year of fairly elite production? Probably. Can he do two years of elite, or in two years is he like an average tight end with a huge name, and/or is he retired? Yeah. And then what do you have? Well, you do have Rashi Rice and Sky Moore and these young guys. Hopefully, Rice looks like he's he's a good player. Moore looks like he might—I won't say be a bust, but like he's not going to be a stud. Um, like, can you get what else can you get as you continue to pay Patrick Mahomes oodles and oodles of money, and you have to pay guys like Lajarius Sneed, some of your young defensive backs, right? But if you're If you're looking at just next year or even the next three years, I'd still probably rather be Dallas, depending on what they do at at the head coach spot. But it is way closer than it should be. And this is the nature of the NFL to an extent, but it is still way closer than it should be for a four-win team versus a 12-win team. Because if you look at the top of – the Cowboys uh, like cap sheet, right? The good news for them... Well, actually, no. I take that back. Um, One, they need to figure out a contract for C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb's contract is probably... He's due for an extension like this offseason. He's going into his fifth-year option. Um, He's going to count $17 million against the cap this season. But they got to figure him out long-term. So, not... Not ideal to say the least. Uh, hey, we got one good young player at the top of the cap sheet. Oh, we have to pay him next year. Above that, you have thirty-two-year-old Demarcus Lawrence, who I think took is still good, but took a step back this year. Um, he is set to count twenty million on the cap this year, and then has kind of a has a void year basically after. So. He's in the final year of his deal. So the good news for Dallas is the relief is coming eventually. Then you have Zach Martin, who is 34 years old, still great, um, but is in the final year of a $28 million contract. So the good news is, like, Lawrence and Martin are going to come off the books. The bad news is you have to replace them. And, uh, by the way, Micah Parsons clicks on Spotrack tab, uh, all these numbers courtesy of Spotrack. Uh, This is the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, They will obviously exercise his fifth-year option to give him one more, but he's going to want a ton of money. So there goes your DeMarcus Lawrence money. There goes your Zach Martin money to Michael Parsons and CeeDee Lamb. And then you're still in salary cap hell. You still need to figure out the rest of the skill positions because, like, Brandon Cooks is 31 and is not on a long-term deal. Michael Gallup you did sign to a longer deal, I believe. But like he wasn't the same coming off that ACL this year. Yeah, he's got uh 2 years left on his deal. So it's it's a situation where like you got to figure out how to get Dak Prescott's cap number down and you don't really have a way out of it. Like your hope is that next year he's just better coming off a year where he was an MVP caliber player and then bombed again in the playoffs by just completely botching a first half. You know, he, he was good in the second. Um, actually, that game is on right now, and, you know, it's kind of funny watching it come back. And, you know, it's like, oh, all of a sudden he starts finding Ceedee Lamb. All of a sudden he starts doing all the DAC stuff that's really good. And, you know, he threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. He just threw for two picks and a pick six and couldn't find Ceedee Lamb with radar in the first quarter. Um, you're just relying on that dude to be better versus this blank slate of 78 to 90 million dollars in cap space, the number two overall pick in the draft, and five picks in the top 100, nine overall that the commanders have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel as though a lot of blame, you know, is on Dak. And we talked about it yesterday. You 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 allowed a, a team to go out there, put up forty eight points. Everybody deserves some of the blame. But this defense was playing number one or, you know, top three defense all season long. And I feel like sometimes you need your defense to, you know, go out there and bail you out sometimes. And I don't think Dallas' defense did that. You know, uh, Green Bay, they controlled time of possession in the first half. And they, you know, that was smart of them, you know, keep a a hot uh, and Explosive offense off the field, and I think they just you know perfected the game plan a little bit better than you know Dallas.
0: Yeah, and so it comes down to, and here's the other thing too, right? Let's say they move on from McCarthy. You mm. think Dak is going to thrive under Josh McDaniels' convoluted whatever system? Now, there's already talk that McDaniels might be going to be the OC in New England, uh, work with Mayo. Yeah, but like, does, uh, does does Bill, if Belichick goes there, does he bring Bill O'Brien? Right, but like. He's, he, I doubt he's going to bring whatever McCarthy has been running. So Dak would have to learn a new system. And mm-hmm. what are the chances in year one of a new system with a completely new coaches and a completely new atmosphere that he's going to do as well as he did this year? Probably not very good. Now, maybe by the playoffs it works out. But at the end of the day, like Dallas, is, Dallas has to self-improve. There's not going to be a lot of help they can acquire from the outside. Their draft pick is going to be late. Um, their cap situation is not good. Yep. Uh, and they've got a quarterback who most teams would be very happy with. I would, but yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott would instantly become the best quarterback Washington (laughs) has had in a long time. Um, he'd be the best quarterback in bears franchise history instantly. Seriously. Um, that's because the best current quarterback in bears franchise history is probably Jake Cutler, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good situation down there. With the understanding that that is a relative term, though. And this this is the thing that I think sometimes, like, with the the narrative around the Cowboys gets out of control, is like, okay, so if they go 12 wins or in the playoffs again, and then they win a game, like, they could easily be in divisional, Or they win two games, God forbid. Now they are in the NFC Championship game. Like, is that out of the equation? No, they just need to run it back, you know, with the same success that they've had three years in a row, and that feels... That feels hard. All right, uh, coming up next here on the Hoffman Show, Linnell pops in studio with us for Overreaction Tuesday slash Wednesday. He's got thoughts on what Ron Rivera said to John Kime today and his first public comments since being fired, and uh, we'll get his take on Adam Peters as well. It's the Hoffman Show, Team 980, and always live with a free Odyssey app.